Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. If I had to pick two of the Beatitudes out of all of them to pick out my mom, it would be these two, and she was a great example for me in these. And so, you know, sometimes... I think we can look at the Beatitudes and we can look at them as a spiritual list of to-dos. For me, I used to be very performance-oriented in my faith. So I looked at faith and said, okay, what do I have to do to be a good person? What do I have to do to make it to heaven? And I felt like if I failed, then I was disqualified and, and beat myself up. And I really have had to shift my thinking and knowing that there's nothing that I can do to earn God's grace in my life. It's all about what he did on the cross. And this, um, and these Beatitudes aren't a list for you to check off and go through and say, okay, good, I, I got that one, check mark, I'm a good person, I'm righteous, I'm merciful, I got it, I'm gonna go to heaven. That's not what this list is about. It is about reflecting um, Christ in our lives, and it's, he's the top of our list. He's the one that we look to, and he set these out as a guideline to how we can be happy in our own lives. And blessed is actually translated to the word happy, and, you know, I just kind of want to set the tone for what the crowd looked like that was surrounding him as he was giving this sermon. Um, they weren't necessarily happy or blessed people. They're not people we would look at and label them. They weren't extremely wealthy, because when Mel's talked about, a lot of times we associate blessing with wealth or how much stuff we have, but these people weren't, weren't those people. They were people that had come to know him. They were desperate for him, and um, in the book Divine Conspiracy, the theologian Dallas Willard says this about the scene at the mount. He said, standing around Jesus as he speaks are people with no spiritual qualifications or abilities at all. You would never call on them when spiritual work is to be done. There's nothing about them to suggest that the breath of God might move through their lives. They have no charisma, no religious glitter or clout. The pages of the Gospels are cluttered with such people, and yet he touched them. The rule of the heavens came down upon their lives through their contact with Jesus, and then they too are blessed, healed of body, mind, or spirit, in the hand of God. So it's exactly the unqualified, the sick, the lame, the bankrupt, the needy that Jesus died for, that he came for, and these are the people that he was speaking to that day. Again, our goodness doesn't save us. Um, our ultimate happiness only comes through knowing Jesus Christ. And he says again, blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion when the kingdom of heavens comes upon them. And I love just being able to see that picture because I think sometimes we can think he was talking to people that were um, um, had had everything together, and that's not the case at all. Well, let's look at what pure in heart is, and um, again, it's Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, the pure in heart are those people that pursue purity and righteousness in every area of their lives, and 
a lot of times we can hear the word holiness or pure and automatically think of like the Duggar family or people with no, that wear no makeup and have their hairs in buns. Um, but the fact is, is that holiness and purity in heart has to do with the inside of us. It has nothing to do with what we appear on the outside. And in this scripture, holiness and happiness meet. So the pure in heart are happy. They're happy people because they're free of guilt. They're free of having to constantly worry about um, their mess-ups. They are happy because they know that Christ works within them and they can strive to be pure in heart. To be pure in heart means to be inwardly pure. And these are the things that only God can see. These are the things that no one else can see going on in your lives. You may be able to dress up and look nice and put on a fake smile, but at the end of the day, God looks at our heart and he cares about the condition of our heart because he knows that out of our hearts flow everything. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. It doesn't say keep your heart every once in a while. It doesn't say keep your heart when you want to. It says to be vigilant about keeping your heart. And that's because he knows that out of, out of your heart flows everything. It flows life. And a sick heart causes death. It causes unhappiness. But a healthy, pure heart brings life and happiness not only to you, but to those that surround you. And you know, we as human beings... We often judge people by their appearance, and we can look at someone and say, oh, well, they look like a good person. They appear like a good person. They look like someone that God would use, and we can do everything possible to make ourselves look good or act good. We can try our hardest to correct um, our, our hang-ups. We can do all of these things to try to make people think that we have it all together but at the end of the day, if we don't allow God to work in our hearts, all of that is only temporary. And what really matters is what is in our heart. And in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And you know, I've said before a lot um, to myself, like, I can't believe that I just said that. I can't believe that I did that. But the truth is, is if I said it or if I did it, then it was in my heart. And the truth is, is our words and our actions flow out of our heart, and it's fruit of what's already in there. And that's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to think that our hearts are impure or that we are looking to idols or other things to fulfill our lives. But I will tell you that when you really give your heart over to Jesus and you really strive to allow him to purify your heart, you really will be free and you really will feel happy. In Matthew 12, 34, it says, for the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, when you say, I don't know why I said that. I don't know how that anger came out of me. Well, it says right here, out of your heart. That's where it came from. 
And in Psalm 24, 4 through 5, it says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So the Hebrew word for clean in this scripture can also be translated to innocent, basically meaning that if you have clean hands, then you've acted innocently towards others. And a pure heart is that one that's cleansed of all unworthy motives towards other people. And so we want to have clean hands and a pure heart so that we can receive blessing from the Lord. So how do you develop a pure heart? Because I know that sounds really hard sometimes. You're like, Kim, I'm so messed up. I don't even know where to begin of how to develop a pure heart. And the place that we have to start is to confess our sins. We have to go to Jesus and and tell him what's in our heart. We have to confess our sins to him. And you know what? He is faithful and he is just to forgive us. He's faithful to purify us and cleanse us. And we have to be reconciled to him and confess that we need him above everything else. And this is something I'd encourage you to do on a daily basis. It doesn't mean that you're going to get, you're getting saved every day. That's not what I'm talking about. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have if you've made him Lord of your life, I'm not talking about you giving, um, doing that every single day. What I'm saying is that every day confession should be a part of our lives. It should, because we're all messed up, aren't we? Like, I know I am. I know that I make mistakes. And I need to confess that to him every single day and say, God, like, I am messed up, but I need your help and I need you to purify my heart. And we have to allow him to work in our hearts. A lot of times we, we want to guard our heart from him. And we want to um, not allow him to have our whole heart because we want to hang on to the things that, that we think make us happier, we think um, make us whole. And you know what? He created our hearts. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. I think sometimes we are blind to what is actually in our hearts, and that's why every single day we should be, we should be asking him for help with this. And some of the prayers that, that I try to pray every single day are Psalms 51.10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way within me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And we have to dwell on pure things. Ladies, like I know men get the brunt of what they see and what they watch, but can I tell you that you have to be careful too of what you read and what you watch? Because there's a lot out there that begins to cause us to want things that we shouldn't want. It muddles God's best for us, and we have to vigilantly guard our hearts. We have to be careful about what we're putting in our minds, who we're talking to. If you are surrounded with a group of lady friends that love to gossip all the time, that's going to mess with your heart. If you want to be surrounded with um, people that are angry all the time, it's going to mess with your heart. And we have to guard our hearts. And Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, 
If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We have to dwell on the pure things. You know, more than anything, God wants our whole hearts. He wants all of us. And we have to love him above everything else. And in fact, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven commands us to do that. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And it doesn't mean that he's trying to control you or he's trying to get all of you. He is, but he's not trying to control you. Again, he created every fiber of your body. He knows you better than anyone else. And he died on the cross, not just to fix you. He died on the cross to make your heart pure. He died on the cross so that you could live a blessed life, not just when you get to heaven, but so that you can live it here on the earth. And really, purity in heart is to glorify him in everything that we say and that we do. And the aim of a pure heart is to align, him, align ourselves with his truth and to bring glory to him. So if you want a pure heart, you have to pursue him with single-mindedness. You can't be double-minded in your heart. You have to will to allow him to work in your lives and to love him with everything that you have. And I love that he rewards us when we do that. He doesn't just leave us hanging. He rewards us, and I think this is one of the greatest rewards that he gives us. It says, the pure in heart shall see God. So what does it mean to see him? It means that you're going to have a more intimate relationship with him. If you struggle with your relationship with God and you don't feel close to him, I would challenge you to really have him examine your heart because more than likely there's a distance between you and him because of some things in your heart. It will ha allow you to have a more intimate relationship with him. And I even think of, of Katie, I think she would say, that when she gave her heart fully to him and really began to strive for purity, that, that her relationship with God was mended and it, she became closer. Would you say that, Katie? And, um, you know, I love that he does that. You're going to experience him, him on this earth. You're, gonna, you're going to know him better than you ever have if you really pursue a pure heart. But better than that, you know, you'll spend eternity with him, which is the most important thing. The second point is peacemakers. And a lot of you may say, Kim, I am not a peaceful person, or I am always in the middle of drama, and stop it. Like, I hate drama. Um, in high school, I was voted most courteous. Isn't that nice? Like, I wanted best dressed, or most outgoing, or the funnest person, but no, I was most courteous in high school. And a lot of people always tell me, Kim, when, when you're working or when we see you, you just are so calm and sweet. And I want to say, I may appear that way on the outside sometimes. I, I learned that in um, my training for counseling, to appear calm. Um, but really on the inside of me, sometimes I'm not... I'm not at peace, and um, it's something I've really had to work on. Matthew 5, 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And Mel talked about this scripture a little bit last week, but in James 3, 17, it says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. 
So you'll see that James said here, wisdom from above is uh, pure, then peaceable. It's not the other way around. You don't have peace and then you're pure, but you have to be pure and then peace will follow. And that's the order Jesus laid it out here in the Beatitudes as well. So it's definitely not a mistake. Blessed are the pure in heart, then blessed are the peacemakers. Purity always will take precedence over peace. And the reason is, is because you can't bring peace to a situation if your heart isn't right. You can't bring peace to a situation if there's anger in your heart. And so you have to be pure in heart first. We have to be pursuing a pure heart in order to be a peacemaker. None of us in ourselves are capable of bringing peace all the time to situations. Like in our world today, we definitely need Jesus, right? <laughs> to bring peace into our homes and into our community and into our world. And that's what we as believers are supposed to be doing. And a peacemaker can only promote peace if we are pursuing peace ourselves. And we get peace through Jesus. We don't have to, again, it's not something we do on our own. It's not something we have a 10-step program to learn how to be a peacemaker But peace comes through learning it from Jesus. And when we are in right relationship with him, we will have peace. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are only able to have peace because he saved us. He is peace and he resides within us. And in Philippians 4.7, it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And in Isaiah 9, 6, 6, it says, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he himself is our peace. He has broken down the walls and has allowed us to reconcile not only to him but to one another, and he promised his peace to us. So what does a peacemaker look like? Does it mean, that some, does it mean someone that like, avoids all conflict? No, because that's impossible. That's not healthy <laughs> to avoid all conflict. You have to deal with conflict in your life, but it's how you deal with conflict. So what does a peacemaker look like? A peacemaker extends peace to their enemies. How many of you love to extend peace to the people who hate you? How many people love to extend peace to the friends that cause drama in your lives? But that's what he commands us to do. And in Romans 12, 14 through 21, I would encourage you to read all of that, but I'm just going to focus on verse 18, and it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So if possible, live peaceably with all. So it doesn't mean that you avoid conflict, with everyone. It just means that you aim to resolve conflict in a healthy way that promotes a peaceful outcome. You know, in the fourth grade, like I've always hated um, any kind of violence or fighting. Like, if girls or guys got in a fight in high school, like I was not in the middle of the crowd watching them. I was more like, than likely in the bathroom, like 
losing it because it just made my stomach turn. I hated to see people in any type of conflict, but especially physical conflict. And in the fourth grade, I transitioned from a small little church school to um, a public school. And there was this girl, we were playing kickball outside, and there was this girl who I feel she was six foot in the fourth grade. I mean, that's just how I remembered her. (laughs) She was just ginormous to me and super intimidating. Now, here I was, little Kim, coming from sweet little Christian school to public school with this girl who I thought was six feet tall, and she was the best athlete in the school, and we were playing kickball, and she went to kick the ball and missed it. And so my little friends that were around, they decided to make fun of her because they thought it was hilarious that she would actually mess up. And I wasn't a part of it, but I was just standing there, and I remember going into the restroom, and uh, I could hear this girl crying in a stall. And again, she was this tough girl, and I thought, my goodness, she's crying. Like, they really upset her. And one of my other friends came in and said, why, why is she crying? And, I'm, and so I told her what happened, and the girl thought that, I was talking bad about her. So she came and like picked me up by the neck. This is why I felt like she was six feet tall. Like she literally like grabbed me by the neck and picked me up in the fourth grade. And so thankfully one of my friends saved my life that day. She like got in the middle of us as I didn't know what to do. But um, after that, like our teacher was her goal was to resolve conflict, right? I mean, she got punished, she got expelled. But then the girl came back to me and, and asked me, like, Kim, will you be my friend? And what was I going to say? No. <laughs> you picked me up by the neck. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was like, yes, I will. Um, because I wanted to avoid all conflict. But the fact is, is that, like, we went from fourth grade all the way through high school together, and we really, we didn't become like buddies. Like, I think her brother ended up murdering someone, and like, we, she just had a hard home life, but so we weren't like best friends. But like all through high school, we, we were mutual friends. We, we were at peace with one another, and she would even see me going through the high school halls and be like, and I'm like, <laughs> like fourth grade all the way to my senior year. It's awesome. But it was funny. And (laughs) so even though part of me was avoiding conflict with Rosa and trying to save my life, um, I also extended peace to someone that didn't deserve it. And it made it better, right? I I didn't make my will to get get her, which I would have never been able to. I would have like 10 of my friends to help me get her. But I didn't purpose in my heart to hurt her back. I extended peace to someone that that didn't deserve it, and God blessed that. And I think for the first time, she might have experienced someone extending her grace. So it doesn't mean that we avoid conflict. And you know what? Sometimes it's out of your control how the other person responds, because you might say, Kim, I have this relationship that I've extended peace, but they're still angry and, and ugly to me. And you know what? You're not responsible for their response. The only thing that God holds you responsible for is what's in your heart. 
and how you extend and promote peace to others. A peacemaker always actively works towards peace, and in our world, we need more peacemakers. We need more people showing the heart of God to people because people watch us, and mom's little eyes are watching you. Even if you're older, you have spiritual daughters watching you. They look to see how you respond to situations. And we don't like to think that people are watching us, but the fact is if we profess to be a believer, people are watching to see if we respond any differently than they do. Every believer should be a peacemaker in the sense of spreading the good news that peace is possible with God. He is the answer to peace in our communities, in our families, and in our world. And we should extend peace because he, he reconciled us to himself, and he actually gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're a believer, you have the ministry of reconciling with people because he reconciled you to him. So what is the reward of being a peacemaker? Well, it means that we get to be sons and daughters of God. We get to live as a child of God, and that's the greatest relationship in the world that you could possibly have. So all of your earthly relationships may be messed up. Maybe, maybe your relationship with your mom or your relationship with your dad isn't what it's supposed to be, but you have good news that you can live in relationship with God as your heavenly father if you promote peace. It's a relationship made possible by the Prince of Peace. And in Galatians 3.26, it says, For in Christ... You are all sons of God through faith. And in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons or daughters of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So what do we have to do? We have to strive for purity in our lives. We have to ask God every single day, God, search my heart. Like, I don't even know what the condition of my heart is, but God, you do because you created it. You knit it together, so you know the condition of my heart and search it and show me if there's anything in it that's not pleasing to you. And then from that, we can be peacemakers. Out of that, we can begin to extend peace to people who may not deserve it because he because we didn't deserve it we didn't deserve his peace and his grace and his mercy in our lives it's only because of his grace well let me pray over you real quick god i just thank you i thank you for what you have done on the cross for us lord i thank you for everyone that is here today god that you would just search us today lord that you would Show us the areas of our lives that aren't pleasing to you, God, and that you would give us the power to overcome them, God. And I just pray that we would really begin to dwell on, on pure things, God, so that we can see you, so that we can have a more intimate relationship with you, Lord. And God, I pray that you would help us to extend peace to those that it may be really hard to extend peace to, God. I pray that 
you would, God, just work in our lives and work in our relationships today, Lord, that you would give us the power to extend peace, Lord, and we thank you for extending your grace and mercy in our lives. God, you are such a good, good God, and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we tell her we appreciate her? I won't talk anymore because I'm going to cry. Do me a favor, bow your head and close your eyes, all this place. If you're here today, you know that the peace and the purity that Kim talks about, it comes from Jesus. It comes from relationship with him. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Mel, I I struggle with purity in my life. Or maybe you struggle being a peacemaker, but at the end of the day, it's not even that you struggle with those things. It's that you haven't started it outright with a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you say, I I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, so it's impossible for me to live peaceably with people. It's impossible for me to live uh, in a way that's pure before God. So I, I need to start with that. I need to start with a relationship with Jesus today. And if you're here today and that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I just wanna be able to pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, I wanna start with a relationship with Jesus. I wanna know him today. I wanna have a relationship with him today. And I I want things to start right now. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up real high so I can see it all over this room? You say, Mel, pray for me. I wanna know Jesus today. I wanna have a relationship. Thanks, up in the balcony. I see you, buddy. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. Pray for me. I can't do this on my own. I want to have a relationship with Jesus today. I want to know him. Thank you. Over here on my right. That's fantastic. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? You say, that's me. Pray for me today, Mel. Just a few more seconds. All right. This is what I'd like to do. I want every person in this place to repeat this prayer after me. Uh, There's nothing supernatural about this prayer. But the Bible tells us when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ rose from the dead, he's able to save us. And so when we say this prayer and we confess it and we believe it in our heart, then that is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. So I just want to pray with you right now. I want every person in this place to repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I can't live this life on my own. I need your help. So take my life, cleanse it, Make it whole. Forgive me of what I've done. Help me never to go back to my old life. Let me live a life of purity and peace. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a big round of applause for what he just did in this place? Thank you, Lord. You are so good. Thank you, God. Now listen, if you raised your hand and you said that prayer, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you needed to and you said that prayer today, there's a prayer card in the seat back in front of you. And on the back of that prayer card, it just says, um, you know, what kind of decisions you make. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you gave your life to Christ and salvation or rededication, whatever it is, if you would fill that card out because our goal is not just to have people pray a prayer. Our goal is to help people take the next step and to grow and be discipled in their faith so that they can bear fruit, so that they can live the life that that God dreamed for them to live. So we want to help you on your journey. So if that's you, 
Fill that card out and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. And we just want to help you take that next step. So please, please, please fill that out before you leave today. Let me ask you to bow your head one more time. If you're here today and you say, Mel, one of those things Kim talked about, maybe it's uh, you living, uh, being a peacemaker. Maybe it's you living in purity or having a pure heart. Maybe you struggle in one of those areas and you would like us to pray with you today. If that's you, would you just be bold enough to raise your hand and say, pray for me, Mel? I need, I need help in one of those areas. Thank you. Yeah, quite a few hands. Thank you all over the place. Well, let me just pray with you right now. Lord, thank you that you, Lord, you're not just a provider for purity and peace. Lord, you are purity and peace. So Lord, I pray right now for those that are struggling, having a pure heart and and living righteously before you, Lord. We can't do it on our own. So Lord, I pray you would empower us to live a pure life and to think pure thoughts and have pure motives and a pure heart. God, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it by wanting it enough. So God, I pray that you would help us with that. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to to take the action we need to take, Lord, and, and to take the steps we need to, to, to maybe change some friendships or change some habits or change some relationships to help us live a pure life. But God, let it begin with our heart today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.